Well, praying and asking the Lord what he had for us this morning, he brought several memories to my mind. Let me recall a few of them, see how many of them you remember. I'm talking about those times when the Holy Spirit, you know, we know he's here all the time. But those times when he really reveals himself and manifests his presence in an unusual way. One of my first recollections uh, was it would have been in the 80s. And an old man by the name of A.C. Carpenter came here to preach. He had a black suit on. His white hair, what he had left of it, he combed straight back. And if you remember, he carried wear a pocket watch. And it kind of swung around here. And that was old-fashioned then, in the 80s. Imagine that, boys and girls. And there young people. And he had twirl that chain. It was a habit when he would preach. And he preached every night, pastor, in a tent, right out beyond where the preschool building is in the field. Be not drunk with wine, where it is excess, but be filled with the Spirit every night. And I'm telling you, it was glorious. We, we sensed and saw the presence of the Lord. A few other times that come to my mind this morning are I was remembering that time when revival broke out on a Sunday morning in our church. It must have been the early 90s when God began to move and we sensed it. Somebody said that night when the service was over, we were in the old building then and they said, Pastor, God's at work. Raised her hand and said it. It was a woman in our church. And we're going to miss God if we don't meet again tomorrow night. I mean, she just said it right out in front of everybody. Not by, privately, she just said it. And, but we all knew it was right. So we came back on Monday, and we met Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Then the next week on Sunday, the glory rolled in again, like the choir was singing about. And then we had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and that went, went on for three weeks. Thirty-five people came to faith in Jesus. It was a glorious time. I remember a morning, must have been <clears throat> around the early 2000s, when uh, a group by the name of the Spec trio Mike Speck trio came one morning and it wasn't the trio fact is Mike had been very broken over something I remember he shared it but I don't remember what it was do y'all remember this we were in the old building and boy it was on that morning all I know is he started to sing we had scheduled for him to be have the whole Sunday school hour him and his wife and Jeannie Cameron used to sing with them then um, and that I mean it was but we knew something was different from the second song he's broken he can't hardly get through the song and the Lord started working, Pastor. I'm telling you, it was an unusual morning. Finally, uh, when it came time for the worship service, God was moving. People were coming. People were getting right with God. Six or seven people got saved that morning, and nobody even preached. Uh, it, it just, we, we just, what happened was a manifestation of the presence of God. <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit was the one doing all this. Now, thinking about the ministry of the Spirit, I recall the series that we're in right now, moving through the book of Acts on the ministry of the Spirit, and I was thinking about the, all the times that we've enjoyed the manifested presence of God through the Spirit. And then <clears throat> the Lord reminded me that every time we gather, uh, there, there, are, there is the presence of the Spirit. We don't always observe the, the realization of it, but the Spirit of God is here because we're here. If you believe that, say amen. And He lives in us. We know that. But in thinking through all this, there's a verse in Romans 15 that I want to look at this morning that I've always struggled with the meaning of it. <clears throat> I've always wanted to believe one way and never really understood the, the interpretation of this text. There's so many varying opinions on it. But it's pretty important. And I told them in the early service, and I'll tell you, it's a sweet truth because I want to share this with you first because I'm going to drop the bomb on you here in a minute or two and I'm going to preach on the sins against the Holy Spirit. The sins that we commit that grieve the Holy Spirit. But before I do, let me show you something really sweet 
Romans 15, look at verse 30. <clears throat> Paul is sharing about his plans for the future, and he says in Romans 15, 30, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. And then here's the phrase that's always puzzled me a little bit. And for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. In my mind, I kind of wanted it to be that uh, the Holy Spirit really just loves me. That was the primary uh, reference and, and what I saw it as. And then, and then I heard somebody say, well, no, this speaks of the Spirit, not only His love for us, but we're to love the Spirit. And then I heard somebody else talk about the Spirit's work through us toward God, and I just got all puzzled up, and I really believe while we were away, the Lord helped me to really see this truth. And there's one verse, if you'll keep your finger here and turn back to Romans 5, that God really used a simple truth. You'll know this verse to help me understand the fullness of the truth of the Holy Spirit and the love of the Spirit. Romans 5. Look at verse 5. Well, look at verse 3. And, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation knowing that our trials, our tribulations, work patience. And patience brings about experience. And experience, hope. And hope, here it is, maketh not ashamed because, look at this, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by who? By the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. So, with that in mind, <clears throat> I believe there are three, at least three, and I'm just going to mention them to you, sweet. I, if I were to ask you right now, if you love the Holy Spirit. Uh, because, you know, we're told to worship God. We worship Him in spirit and in truth. We know the Holy Spirit is God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But we've heard it said, He is probably the most neglected of the three persons of the Godhead. But I'm not sure how many times we say to Him, to the Holy Spirit, I love you. Or how many times we hear Him saying that to us. But when, he, when he's talking about the love of the Spirit, I was just, I was thinking through, and, I, and I, I'm studying after a lot of other people, and you've heard me say this before, but when I read after commentators, it just reminds me, you know what a commentator is? Just a commentator, that's all they are. These are not people that uh, have all the answers, but some people in their study of God's Word will help shed light on a truth for you. So let me tell you the fullness of this. Is he talking about uh, the love of the Spirit toward me? Is he talking about loving through me, loving the Holy Spirit? Is he talking about the Spirit aiding me in loving God the Father and Jesus? The answer is yes. All of the above. Let's look at it just for a moment and understand how much the Holy Spirit loves us. First of all, that Romans 15, 30, the love of the Spirit refers to the love of the Father and the Son that is shed abroad in our hearts. You know why you love the Father? If you're saved, you love the Father and you love Jesus. If you don't love Jesus and love the Father, you've never been saved. But here's how I know I'm saved. The Holy Spirit who lives in me sheds that love abroad and I love the Father and I love Jesus because the Holy Ghost is shed abroad in my heart and He's the one that helps me know how to love God and how to love Jesus. If I don't love Him the way I should, I need to find out, first of all, if I have the Spirit, if I've been born again, if I have the Spirit, I need to understand His work in me to help me love God and love uh, Jesus. I, I'm, I'm going to ask Him that more and more now that I understand this. Lord, help me love Jesus more. Holy Spirit, help me understand and love God more. I, I want to I love uh, God the Father and God the Son more. But it goes deeper than that. Number two, there's a, second, um, there's a second area here. 
Secondly, the love is to the Father. This love of the Spirit is to the Father and the Son and one another. He's the one, not only that helps us see the Father and helps us see the Son. By the way, He was the first one that ever introduced you to the Son. It was the Holy Spirit that showed you Jesus. He reveals Christ. He reveals the Father. <clears throat> Number one. Now, the second part of this is the love not only of the Father and the Son, but it's love to the Father and the Son. It's the Holy Spirit because of regeneration. When He saved me and made me new, He's the one that helps me love the Father and love the Son, and He also helps me love each other. If you don't love the brethren, you know what the Bible says about you in 1 John? You've never been born again if you don't love the brethren. Look here, I might not like all the brethren and the sistren. <laughs> I might not agree with every brother and every sister I've got, but I love them. You know why? Because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart. How? By the Holy Ghost. But it goes further than that. The Holy Spirit not only helps us love, but also this love, the love of the Spirit, is a love that the Holy Spirit has for who he's talking about in the text, God the Father, God the Son, all the people in Rome. But not only that, listen to this. The Holy Spirit loves me. He, he, the Holy Spirit has love for me. So everything I was wondering about in the understanding of this text about the love of the Spirit, yes, he does love me. Yes, I'm to love him. Yes, he helps me love the Father and Jesus. This love of the Spirit is a deep, deep truth, and I'm going to be wallering around in it for quite a while in the next little while. I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't hear a little more about it because the Holy Spirit and His work is so crucial to everything we do. You remove that third person of the Godhead, and what happens is we miss out on every blessing God has prepared for us. He's the one that guides us into truth. He's the one that reveals Christ. He's the one that indwells us and fills us and seals us. The work of the Holy Spirit. Thinking about his love for us, let me just unpack this before getting into my simple message on the sins against the Holy Spirit. I want you to think of it. Let me tell you of the Holy Spirit's early love for you. Before you ever began, before your birthday, when you were born on that first day of your birth, he knew you and he loved you. Listen to this. Your, his love for you is without beginning. He loved you before the foundation of the world. That, the, I'm talking about the love of the Spirit. And by the way, in a minute when I, when I get my hook in here, here's where it is. Because he loves you so much, why in the world are we not sensitive to keep from sinning against the Holy Spirit? If we love somebody, we're not going to want to hurt them. I love all of you. I sure don't want to hurt you. I may sometimes, I don't want to. But here's what I see in this, in this understanding of who I am. I was reading Mr. Spurgeon, and, and, and the Lord's showing me, in my childhood, he strove with me. Do anybody here remember in your childhood hearing the voice of the Spirit saying, hey, give me thine heart. Let me show you Jesus. Just as a little boy, I saw it. I can't describe all of it for sake of time this morning. But he loved me when I was just a little boy. When I was in sin, he was showing me my sin when I was little because he wanted to bring me to Jesus. Every time there was a truth that I understood as a child, it was the Holy Ghost that showed me that. So from a child, he strove with us. He moved us. He drew us. He convicted us. Not just me, but you all if you're saved. In my mind, I, I think about how I grieved him. 
I mean, I grieved him before I got saved. I did things that were offensive. I'm going to show you how a believer and an unbeliever this morning can sin against the Holy Spirit. I did all those things. I resisted him. I didn't come to him the first time he ever drew me. But I resisted him and I quenched him and I grieved him. I wanted to run away from him. And he knew that my running away from him would, would mean the fire and not heaven. So he just kept pursuing me. He just kept pursuing me. The Holy Spirit loves me and he loves you. He, he continued to love and pursue me because he wanted me to know God. He wanted me to know Jesus. He wanted to take me to heaven. I rejected him over and over. And then finally, <clears throat> do you remember <coughs> Excuse me. when the Holy Spirit brought you to Jesus? It was him. Harry, it was him that day. It was him that showed you Jesus. You didn't figure it out on your own. You don't get saved when you want to. You don't get saved the way you want to. The Holy Ghost pulls the curtain back and reveals Jesus Christ, his shed blood on the cross, and he may be doing it to somebody this morning. And his love for you, it's the Holy Spirit that introduced you to him. It was him, he, because of his love for you and because of his love for me, that he revealed Jesus to me. Not only that, after I got saved, <clears throat> boy, I wished I could say I hadn't grieved him. But it's been a process, a, a long process of quenching his spirit and grieving his spirit. And you think he throws me out and quit pursuing me when I... No, he just keeps coming back. That's love right there. He just keeps pursuing me. He just keeps coming back saying, Hey, son, how happy are you now? You, you, you don't have my power on you. How about that? How's that mean? And he keeps drawing me back to Jesus more and again. Draw me back to repentance. Do you see this? It's the Holy Spirit doing all that. And then when I'm on, I'm on the mountain, I'm walking with him, filled with the Holy Ghost, I've got power, and then when I get my eyes off of him, it's gone, and the Holy Spirit comes back to pursue me again. My life, anybody else had a life like this? Up and down, and kind of leveled off, and then up again, and leveled off again, and down. Oh, how the Holy Spirit must love us to put up with our foolishness. The loving, the forgiving the drawing, the blessing, all of this is the love of the Spirit. Now this morning, don't you say, don't you let it be said that you don't have somebody that loves you. At least three people love you. God the Father loves you. Jesus the Son loves you. The Holy Ghost loves you. He got more than that. I love you. Pastor Cameron loves you. This church loves you. Our leaders love you. You probably have a family member or two that likes you a little. Look, don't you let the devil tell you that you're not loved. Now, out of that love, look here. The people I love, the I couldn't wait to get back to church this morning, Pastor Cameron. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait to see my brothers and my sisters. This morning we prayed over Mark and Diane Vafai. They're moving. That's, and, and, but I couldn't, couldn't wait to see the people that I love. Out of love, we don't want to hurt the people that we love. But the Holy Spirit, I fear that we've injured. And so I, wanna, I want us to look at Acts chapter 5, where our pastor led us a few weeks ago. We're past this now, but I can't get out of this truth. <clears throat> I want to give you four sins against the Holy Spirit that a believer, a saved man or a woman, can commit. 
I fear that some of us have committed them. I hope we'll repent. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to speak to your people and to your servant this morning. Thank you for speaking to me and the things that you've made right in my life. I ask you in Jesus' name that today would be another one of them moments where some folks come face to face with what your word says and your spirit, oh Holy Ghost, do your work. May we be right with you and love you, Holy Ghost, and be filled with you in Jesus' name, amen. You remember the scene in the early church because the widows and the fatherless children and others have need, people who had a little piece of land, they sold it. And they'd bring that money, all of it. They'd bring it to the church and they said, hey, feed those children with this. Boy, what a sweet concept. Hey, help those widows with this. I don't need this. This was an extra little piece of land. I want you to take this money and give it to them. By the way, if we'd have kept doing that, we wouldn't have the problem with our government and the spending uh, on a federal level that we have right now as it relates to welfare. The church dropped the ball in a lot of those areas. Believers dropped the ball. But they, they gave. And, and Ananias and Sapphira saw this happening. And the Bible shows us their heart in a moment when I give you the first two sins are right here. That we sin against the Holy Spirit. They decided that what we're going to do is we're going to sell that land. We're going to give a portion. And number one, if you're writing notes, a believer can lie to the Holy Spirit. Notice verse 1, Acts 4, or excuse me, Acts 5. But a certain man named Ananias and his wife, and with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession and kept back part of the price, also being pre his wife also being privy to it, and bought a certain part, or excuse me, brought <clears throat> a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why, here it is, has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? And keep back part of the price of the land. <coughs> Pastor, I, I would never lie to the Holy Spirit. Uh, Pastor, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't lie to the... I don't think they knew they were lying to the Holy Spirit. I knew that they, they know they were lying. <coughs> but you know what? This the Lord showed me this week. That... <coughs> what would that look like today? Here's what it would look like today. Listen. Pretending. Projecting something that we are not. Going through the motions. I could take you to scriptures in the Old Testament where God's people, he said, drew near to me with their lips, but their heart was far from me. I read something not long ago. It was a post somebody was saying about uh, to their children about, hey, I want you to keep the Lord first in your life. And I'm thinking... If he ain't already first, you're encouraging them to continue the life that they're leading. I wonder <clears throat> if we're honest this morning. Is there anything that is not real? And you know what people have said about our church through the years? And I don't, I don't say it. I, I've heard people say it. <clears throat> it appears that Central is real. That the people that are real, they'll just tell you if it ain't. Something ain't right. Which I like that. And by the way... That's the kind of leadership you have. Our doors are open. If something is wrong or something hurt you or something not according to Scripture, please. You have a biblical obligation to come and sit down with those that are responsible and we'll open up the Bible. And where things are wrong, we'll make them right. But Ananias and Sapphira were just not real, were they? 
it wouldn't have been a problem if they'd have said, hey, we're only giving half, but they didn't do that. They said, here's all of it. And, and the man of God said to them, you have lied to the Holy Spirit. Can I ask you a question? Are you real this morning? <clears throat> you see, the Holy Spirit can be offended by our just not being real. Now, I'm not asking if you're perfect, because you're not. I'm just asking you if you're, if you're real. To project something or pretend to be something you're not is lying to the Holy Ghost. It was here. But you know, it doesn't stop there. There's a second sin here in Acts chapter 5, uh, and it's in verse 9. She comes in, and her husband's already fallen dead. She doesn't know it. Verse 9, Then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together, look at this, to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? <clears throat> There's a second sin that a believer can commit, and it's tempting the Holy Spirit. Now, I meditated on this and prayed and asked God to help me see it, and here's, here's what I believe happened in this moment. It, it means testing the Holy Spirit or trying Him. In other words, they probably thought, you know, I know this is wrong, what we're doing, but I believe we can get by with it. I don't think God will discipline us or judge us. And they tempted the Holy Ghost. I can live like this. <clears throat> it won't hurt me. It won't hurt my family. It won't hurt my future. I, I, can, I know it's wrong for others to do it, but it's okay for me. And, and I will not experience any of the discipline of the Holy Spirit. I was, I was telling the, the early service that I, I found another verse and I almost used it. <clears throat> and it, it's, it was referring to, you ever heard this term, vexing the Spirit? Some of you have. In the Old Testament, uh, the people of God would disobey God and go after idols. And the Bible says that it vexed <clears throat> God, it vexed his Holy Spirit. And that word means he turned to be their enemy. Somebody said to me not long ago, and I don't agree with it. I told them I didn't agree with it. I don't believe God will ever be the enemy of a child of God in this generation, in the church age. <clears throat> you know what we're living right now? We're living in the age of grace. When we're saved, we're sealed under the day of redemption by the Holy Ghost, and we are in Christ. I don't believe God will ever be my enemy again. However, I believe he was in the Old Testament, but I don't believe he will be now. But I believe he does do this. I believe he does discipline. I believe we can experience the chastening of the Lord. The Bible says that. And when you tempt God, you're saying, Lord, I know that this is wrong, but I just believe I can get by with it. They tempted the Holy Ghost that way. And they found out that your sins will find you out. Whatsoever man sows, say the rest with me. That shall he also reap. Hey, I want to make sure we understand. Don't tempt the Spirit. If you're saved, don't lie to the Holy Ghost. And do not tempt the Spirit. Don't do it. It may not be in this generation that you experience the discipline. The Bible says the sins of the fathers often visit the third and the fourth generation. The good news is, though, those generational things can be broken. And God's grace is sufficient. If you're glad of that, say amen. I'm not trying to bum you. I'm just trying to tell you what the Bible says now about sins against the Holy Ghost. Remember why we don't want to sin against Him, because we love Him. Why we don't want to sin against Him, <clears throat> because He loves us. That's the best motivation. I used to preach on these things hot and heavy, but I didn't tell people how much the Spirit loves them. 
But the Holy Spirit said, hey, don't you present me as some old hard. You, you let them know how much I love them. Right in the middle of preparing this message, he said, how about going over that verse in Romans where you struggle with? And he showed me the love of the Spirit. Because he loves us, we don't want to lie to him. We don't want to tempt him. Number three, turn over to Ephesians 4. You know this verse quite well, most of you do. Ephesians 4 and verse 30 lists the third of the four I'm going to share this morning. <coughs> ways that a believer can, can sin against the Holy Spirit. <coughs> By the way, you know why you're all here this morning? If, I bo if we boil it all the way, let me tell you why you're here. Because the Holy Spirit's drawn you here. You know why you even wanted to come? Why you're, why you're here? I'll tell you why you're here. You're here because God has a plan for you. And He loves you. And He wants you to, to be near Him. Here's the truth He wants us to know. The third thing, ways that a believer can, can sin against the Holy Spirit is found in, look at verse 30. Ephesians 4 verse 30. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. There it is. Whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. It's grieving the Holy Spirit. Not only lying to the Holy Spirit and tempting the Holy Spirit, but grieving the Holy Spirit is a sin that a believer can commit. Grieving the Holy Spirit. But before I get into that, I want to tell you, isn't that a good truth right there? That, that last part that says you are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. How many are glad you ain't got to worry about losing your salvation? Amen or not? Somebody said, preacher, can you lose your salvation? I said, no. no wait a minute. No, I said, yes. If it's your salvation, you can lose it. If it's God's salvation, you can't lose it. Let me say that one more time. I might confuse somebody. Somebody said, preacher, can you lose your salvation? I said, if it's yours, yeah. But if it's God's salvation, He saved you. He sealed you unto the day of redemption. But sure, I don't want to go to heaven and just get in by the skin of my teeth and then stand before him being guilty of all these sins of grieving the Holy Ghost. So we don't want to lie to him and we don't want to tempt him and we don't want to grieve him. What does that mean, Pastor? Well, <clears throat> it means making sad or sorrowful. I want God to smile when his eyes, when he's up there with Gabriel and Michael and them archangels and they're looking down across the world and he comes up on the little town of Dunn, North Carolina. I don't even look over and say, I wish you'd look. Just look at those people over there. And just smile big. Look at their pastor. Just look at him. Got all that brown hair. God help me not covet hair. I had hair one time. But I, I mean, I want the Lord to look at us and say, Oh, that place... Gives me joy. Those people give me joy. You think just because you're saved you bring him joy? Well, there's good evidence that the Spirit grieves. Could be that God grieves. What makes him sad and sorrowful? Pastor, how do you grieve the Holy Spirit? Well, look at your Bibles. Here's just a few of them. Start up at uh, verse 25, lying. Anger in verse 26, wrath. Stealing, verse 28. Corrupt communication, verse 29, a filthy mouth. Look at this, verse 31. Bitterness grieves the Spirit. You said, I just can't forgive him. Oh, yeah, you can. <laughs> he lives in you. You don't know what he did. Well, it don't matter what he did. Did he do worse than put you on a cross? Kill you? Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, all that grieves the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 32. Being unkind grieves the Spirit. 
you know, every now and then I see a Christian, or somebody that says they're a Christian, treating a waitress or a waiter like they're trash. It's always been an offense to me when you don't even look up. You don't even look at the person when you're speaking to them. Like somehow or another they owe you something. <clears throat> That's just being unkind. And there's a lot of other ways to be unkind. Be kind one to another. To be unkind grieves the Holy Spirit. And then he said this. Look at the last one. I wish I had time to preach this. Forgive one another. Hey, you know what? If you don't forgive each other, whoever it is that's offended you, if you don't forgive them, you're grieving the Spirit. Pastor, you ever grieved the Spirit in this area? <clears throat> Let's move on to the next part of the trip. No. Yes, I have grieved the Spirit. I'm coming toward the end of my uh, ministry as lead pastor of this church. Through the years, we were studying Moses and striking the rock this morning in Sunday school. I've wanted to strike a few people. I mean, strike the rock a few times. Some of the people I've loved the most. Poured the most of my heart into, Pastor. I'm not complaining or whining. I'm just telling you. Some of those same people have turned and hurt me. I have a choice at that point. I can get bitter and grieve the Spirit. Or I can forgive in the Spirit and have the joy of the Lord in my life and not let it affect the rest of my ministry. And guess what choice I'm making? I'm going to have the joy of the Lord. I'm encouraging you to do the same thing. Don't grieve the Spirit by being unforgiving. You say, you always right? No, I'm not. Most of the time, but not always. When I am wrong, let me tell you what I'll do. I'll say it right now in front of you and online and everything else. If I've hurt you, and you tell me, I'm going to make it right. Now, if what I've said or done is right according to Scripture, and that hurts you, I'm going to apologize to you for the way I did it. But I'm not going to apologize to you for what the Word of God says. But forgiveness, unforgiveness grieves the Holy Spirit. Let me give you the last one. Turn to 1 Thessalonians, over just a few pages to the right. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. One of the shortest verses in all the Bible. <clears throat> Right in the middle, it doesn't even seem to fit. Right in the middle of a little discourse, beginning in verse 17, Paul's writing to this church in Thessalonica, and he says, as he closes this letter to them, look at verse 17, Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And then he says this, Quench not the Spirit. The fourth area that we can we can sin against the Holy Ghost is by quenching the Spirit. Pastor, what does that mean? Well, it suggests extinguishing a fire. The Holy Spirit is associated with fire. In fact, oftentimes people talk about being baptized with the Spirit and fire. God shows it as a consuming fire. You know times in your life when you've been on fire for the Lord. Just most recently I remember the teenagers coming back from camp. And they're stirred up. I love it when they're stirred up. I would give anything in the world if we could figure out some way or another <clears throat> to keep them in the same kind of environment to enjoy that glorious presence of God and that victory. But sadly, what happens is a teenager who comes home from an environment where God has been at work and they're on fire for Him. They're in His Word and they're praying and they're excited. They walk into a home and a family where Dad never picks up his Bible. Mom doesn't pray. They never hear prayer. They say, you know, Mom and Dad, I'm thinking about going to Christian college. No, you're not. Can't make no money doing that. 
What you need to do is get you a job, a real job, like be this or be that, and then you can make plenty of money because that's going to make you happy. Let me tell you, that's one of the biggest lies there ever has been in this world. Some of the most miserable people I know in the world have the most money. I wish they'd get rid of a little bit of it and drop it in here. We'd use it for the gospel's sake. Make them happy. Amen. Here's what I want you to know, though. Watch it very closely. If you extinguish the fire of the Holy Spirit in someone's life, you're guilty of quenching the Spirit. If I extinguish the fire, if I put the fire out in your life, God help me, I've quenched the Spirit. If you do it in a church, I'm, a unique, I'm in a unique position this morning. I'm not going to say too much. Too close to home. There are two young pastors that I love and pour into today on parallel ends, Pastor. One of them you know quite well. One of them today is accepting the pastorate of a big, precious church, and he's going in for his first Sunday. Oh, he's so happy. I text him this morning how proud I was of him, and oh, how excited I am for him. The other one will walk in his church service in about three minutes. And they're going to have something called a vote of confidence. You know what a vote of confidence is? It's really a vote of no confidence. It means a few leaders decided that you ain't doing it the way they want it done. And so they're going to vote you, try their best to politic and stir up some confusion in the church. And this young man is full of Jesus. He loves God. Got the sweetest little pretty wife and these little children. And they'll be injured today. You know what will happen? If he'll let it, they'll try to quench some of that fire. And they'll stand before the Lord for quenching it. Now, don't you listen to me. You're in a church where oftentimes a little fires are burning, not as much as we want to see, not as much as we're going to see, but don't you let the devil let you quench the fire in the church. You'll stand before the Lord, not just with that people there, but the people that could have been reached and that community and the gospel work that could have gone through that ministry. All oh, the sins against the Holy Spirit believers can lie to and tempt and grieve and quench the Holy Spirit of God. Disobedience. Right here in the text, I don't have time to preach them, but if you look at it, verse 17, if you don't pray, quenches the Spirit. If you don't give thanks, quenches the Spirit. Verse 17. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Hey, if you, even if you ain't in the middle of it, if you're up close to it and it appears evil, guess what that does? Extinguishes the fire. Quenches the Spirit. Disobedience in general. Let me close. Somebody saying, yeah, Please. Please do. It's been a little heavy. And remember where I started? The love of the Spirit. He loves you. He loves you so much, He'd give me this hard truth for you this morning. We love you too. I do not want to grieve, quench, lie to, or tempt the Spirit. But I'm saved. Pastor, what if I'm sitting in this room and I'm not 100% sure that I'm saved? What if, <clears throat> what if there's a sinner in this room that's not redeemed. All of us are sinners, but, but a lost man or a woman. What about me? Let me give you three real quick things that can happen. Look at Acts 7. These are sins that a lost man, far more serious, a lost person 
can sin against the Holy Spirit, and I'm just going to mention them. Look at verse 51. Acts 7, 51. The Bible says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. Number one, you know what a lost person could do? Even when the Spirit comes to convict them and shows them Jesus, points them to the cross, and invites them into God's family, no. They may be convicted. They may even be convinced that, they're, that it's real, but they resist. No, no. Resist the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit's job is to bring people to Jesus. And people by the hundreds every day are resisting. They're, they wouldn't be in a place like this because then they'd have to hear it and then they'd have to resist it all over again. When you share Jesus, people will either receive or resist. Number two, there's a second sin. Hebrews 10, 29. Let me read it to you if you don't want to turn there. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 29 uses this terminology. Hebrews 10, 29. Of how much more sore punishment Suppose you that he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath, here's the two words in the King James translation, hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. If you have a modern version, a few of you do, the word insult would be there. You know what else you can do to the Holy Spirit if you're lost? You can insult the Holy Spirit. His coming to you, God coming to you in the person of the Holy Spirit, and you're refusing Him is an insult to God. Imagine if God came to you today and said, look, I want, I want to go to lunch with you today. You'd cancel everything, I hope. But when the Spirit comes and offers you glory to refuse it, not only resist it, but refuse it, is an insult to God. Finally, maybe the most controversial passage in the Bible, Matthew chapter 12, speaks of the worst sin that a lost person can commit. And if you don't even have your Bible, but you're sitting in this room and you're not saved, you've never given your heart to Christ, I want you to listen to these two minutes more so than anything else I've said. Because as a lost man or woman, you're not on your way to heaven. You can't, you can't sin a sin against the Holy Spirit as a believer. But let me tell you where you are. Here's exactly where you and I, where you stand if you're lost. Matthew 12, look at verse 31. Jesus is talking and he says, Wherefore, I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. But, there's one that isn't. The blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. The last and worst sin that an unbeliever can commit against the Holy Spirit is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. There's so much confusion about this. I've talked about it before. I'll just mention it briefly. To blaspheme the Holy Spirit is not just to curse and use his name. That should never be. But that's not the blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. Blaspheming the Holy Ghost, listen to this, is rejecting Jesus Christ. 
It's the only sin that cannot be forgiven. It is when the Spirit comes and He convicts you and draws you and you feel convicted when you refuse and you reject Jesus. No, I won't be saved. And He is drawing you. It's blasphemous to take that drawing, convicting work of the Holy Spirit and reject Jesus Christ. When you reject Jesus Christ, you are damned forever in hell. The reason why I'm not damned this morning is because I didn't reject Jesus. I'm an old sinner. I needed him bad. And I came to him and I asked him to come and save my unworthy soul. And if you ever get saved, you'll get saved the same way. You repent of your sin, turn from it, and turn to Jesus and cry out to him to come and to wash you clean with the blood that he shed on that cross. Anything other than that, you say, oh, I'm going to wait till later or, or uh, another day or, or you, I don't want anything to do with that. You're rejecting Jesus Christ. And when you do that, God help us, nobody in this place to ever do it. You have rejected Jesus Christ and you've blasphemed the Holy Ghost. So you can resist, you can refuse, or you can reject as an unbeliever. I met a man one time in this community he was so mad and so bitter his son had died tragically and he changed he became so angry at God and so bitter that before that I understand when the gospel was given he at least would listen to it but somehow or another he was so angry at God that he hated God he didn't want to hear anything else about Jesus or about the cross or about the blood. And he would get irate if you'd ever mention it. I remember trying to talk to him about Jesus. And here's what it was. It was a wall. It wouldn't matter what I said. He had so rejected Jesus Christ. He had blasphemed the Holy Ghost. You said, does the Bible talk about this? Listen to what the Bible says. Genesis 1, I believe. My spirit, Genesis 3, will not always strive with a man. God wants you to come to him. He's drawing you this morning. I don't know how long the knock will be this loud. Sometimes people have described it like this, Pastor, I put it off and put it off, and then one day the knock was a little softer. And I believe if I don't, a man told me this not long ago in a church, if I believe if I didn't get saved tonight, it would have been my last opportunity. I don't know, but that's what he said. There's one other verse that reminds me of this text. It says, call upon the Lord while he's near. Or seek the Lord while he's near. Call upon him when he's near. While he, call upon him while he's near. They're giving the idea there may be a time when he's not so near. So if you're lost this morning, I want to encourage you to do something. You're going to be glad you did a million years from now. And by the way, just because you're a member of this church don't mean you're saved. You know and God knows. You're the only two that know it. Some of you wonder why you don't love the Bible. You ain't picked it up in months. You may not be saved. If you don't love the Holy Ghost, if you don't love Jesus, if everything of God's work is way down the priority list, let's examine ourselves to see if we're a believer. Today could be the day when you fall in love with Jesus and the Spirit and the Father. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Here's a question. Can you say, Pastor, I know... 100%, not 99. I know 
that I turned to him in faith. I asked him. I was repentant. I turned from my sin. I knew I was a lost sinner, and I came to Jesus, and I asked him to forgive me. I know that I'm saved. If that's true, would you just thank him right now? Just thank him. Lord, thank you that I'm yours and you're mine, that I'm in you and you're in me. Thank you that I'm saved. If you couldn't answer that question with a resounding yes, in a moment I'm going to ask you to do something. You're going to be glad you did. I'm going to ask a couple of our pastors to stand here at the front. I want you just to come and take their hand simply say, today I'm giving my heart to Jesus Christ. We'll take the Bible and make sure you understand every step of that. We won't parade you in front of people, have you say anything or call your name. No, we'll just privately help you understand the gospel and understand salvation. Now, if you're saved in this room and I walk through those four sins, listen to me, and you got convicted, I want to ask you to do something. I ask you to be honest. Now I want you to be humble. Will you be humble enough? And by the way, I don't think there's any of us that haven't grieved the Spirit or quenched the Spirit. I don't think there's any of us that haven't been pretending or tempted the Holy Ghost. I'm going to ask you to come and find a place in this altar just to humble yourself and repent before God. Oh, I can do it privately. I know you can, but it'll do you pride good to do it publicly. Holy Spirit, this is your invitation. Oh, God, forgive us. Humble us. Thank you that when we do fail, you still love us. And you're willing to draw us in and fill us that it is not repeated again and again. We don't want to sin against you. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name.